Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Ben Hanani. I'm the host of How Do You Do podcast, a weekly podcast where I ask guests from different fields about their creative process. And now we're expanding to weekly conversations like this one on Clubhouse, where I'm excited to bring former podcast guests and some new friends and just have a fun panel discussion and Q&A. So I'll start with a few questions and then we'll bring listeners up. So just be ready to raise your hand. And as a reminder, this is being recorded. It'll go up on the podcast feed later. So if you do come up to the stage, just know that your question will be recorded as part of the greater conversation. And our guests today are Jasmine Alnabli, who's a registered dietitian nutritionist and has a master's in nutrition and dietics from Loma Linda University. She's currently the corporate health and wellness director at Parentis Health and the founder of the Ask the Dietitian Club right here on Clubhouse. Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Ben. So excited to be here um, and be sharing. Thank you. I was just listening to your Trader Joe's favorites today, and uh, I encourage everybody to check out Jasmine's uh, conversations because she's always coming with the great recommendations. Especially, I'm a, I'm a big Trader Joe's fan, so that's definitely one I highly encourage people to check out. And uh, we have Jessica Maraban. Jessica is a registered holistic health coach. She's the founder of the online community Healthy Life by Jess, and she's currently in the midst of earning her physician's assistant accreditation. Hi, Jess. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here and excited to chat with you all. Awesome. And Jess has been on How Do You Do podcast. So if you want to check out more of her stuff, feel free to go back into our previous episodes and check out her episode. She was one of our OG guests. So definitely, definitely I encourage people to check that out. And last but not least, we have Vanessa Rosetto. Vanessa is a registered dietitian nutritionist and certified dietitian nutritionist. She's currently the dietic internship director at NYU Steinhardt and the co-founder of Kalina Health. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Honored to have you. And Vanessa is joining us from New York. The rest of us are out here on the West Coast. So major thank you for, for staying up uh, after hours for us and joining the clubhouse. We're all very thankful. I'd love My to, pleasure. <laughs> I'd love to start first with anything that's been on your mind in terms of nutrition or any dietary measures or concepts that you've become more mindful of in the past year. Um, Jess, I remember when, you, when I had you on my podcast, you were very fixated on gut health. Is that still top of mind for you? Or have you, is there another fixation that's on your mind at the moment? Definitely. I think that's always on my mind. There's always so much to learn about the gut and the brain axis. But actually something that I wanted to speak about is magnesium as a source to help with sleep quality and supporting like a healthy circadian rhythm and getting you into a relaxed state of mind. I've actually been taking like magnesium supplements before bed and found that they've helped me a lot with balancing my hormones and just getting to be like in a really like good state of mind and getting that eight hours of sleep is like so, so important. So it's been amazing to just see how good quality magnesium supplement can help. Interesting. I was taking melatonin a bit sometimes when I was having uh, trouble sleeping, but it's good to know magnesium is, a, is another option I should check out. Awesome. Thank you. And Vanessa, you, you're uh, right next to me. So I'm looking at you right now. Is there any, anything that you've thought about recently in the past year that's been top of mind for you in terms of nutrition or any dietary practices? I think a lot in, with regards to like intuitive eating and health at any size and 
sort of like people in like different camps, you know, there's like those people that are like, it's all about intuitive eating and then, you know, do what you want. And those other people that are saying like, no, you know, you need to be like more prescriptive. And so I think, you know, we need to trend more towards personalized medicine in general and knowing that like, it's so complex and nutrition needs to be personalized as well. And so you got to like meet your patient, your client where they are and give them all that like nutrition science and education and in a digestible way so that they can be successful, whatever the goal is. Mm. And are there any, any tests or anything that you like to hone in on when you're meeting with a patient for the first time to get a better sense of their individual needs? I just like to listen to them. Really. I, we talk usually for about an hour, an hour and a half, just like find out about them and their days and you know, if they have labs, that's great. Um, but when you let people talk, they they tell you everything. So I, I gather all the information and I sort of like go from there. So it's not, you know, one shot deal. But um, I think from that initial intro session, I get a lot of info and then I can sort of guide them in that right direction. Awesome. And Jasmine, you're working with patients as well. Is there anything that has been top of mind for either you or something you've seen frequently in your patients recently over the past year in terms of nutrition or any dietary practices? Yeah. So one of the things that I've been really focusing on, um, not only with myself, but with other clients and patients is really focusing on blood sugar control and optimizing energy. Um, and one of the ways that we do that is through balanced meals. So not, you know, eliminating any one food group, but really focusing on, eating complex carbohydrates, having those healthy fats, incorporating high quality sources of protein, and just making sure that we are getting good sources of fiber. Um, you know, as Jessica had mentioned earlier, you know, getting these prebiotics um, and probiotics are really great for our for our gut health and our, our mood, but also just creating these really balanced meals can help keep our blood sugar steady throughout the day and can prevent um, the onset of diabetes and even prediabetes in, in some instances. So um, I know for me, I want to be having you know high energy throughout the day. I don't want to have crashes in my energy or my blood sugar and these highs and lows. I really want to keep um, sustained energy throughout the day for my mental performance, um, for my mental clarity, for my energy for fitness. Um, I have a background in bodybuilding and fitness, so being able to perform there as well. So I would say for sure, keeping blood sugar levels steady throughout the day. I'm really glad you brought up balanced meals because my next question is, you know, I tend to crash after lunch frequently and I'm wondering what is something I can be having for lunch and even snacks throughout the day that will keep my energy up and not weigh me down. Because I, I find after breakfast, I'm very productive. I feel very energized. After lunch, it's tougher. And then after dinner, I, I can really have whatever I want because I don't have to worry about being as energized at that point. But lunch is really critical to my afternoon in terms of energy and mood. So I'm wondering specifically if there are any meals that you suggest for people who might be experiencing something similar. I would definitely look at what the sources are of what you're eating, right? So if you're eating a really, really high carbohydrate meal, and you are lacking that fiber or that healthy fat or that protein source, that's when you might start getting these um, fluctuations in energy. And, and one of the tips that I always like to give 
is, you know, when we eat carbohydrates by themselves, it takes about one to two hours to digest. But if we pair it with a healthy fat source or fiber or a protein source, it prolongs that time to three to four hours, which is typically why we will tell diabetics to eat smaller, more frequent meals every three to four hours to help sustain that blood sugar. And again, as Vanessa mentioned, everyone is different. So it's very important to pay attention to not only that person's lifestyle, but you know the foods that they're eating and everything to create a really personalized approach. But same goes for snacks. So I wouldn't be eating just a carbohydrate snack by itself. I'll be sure to pair it with a protein source. So I wouldn't be eating just like crackers on their own. I might have a tuna salad with crackers or chicken salad with crackers, or I won't just have, you know, a slice of toast by itself. I'll have a little bit of nut butter on it, or I will have it with a little bit of turkey slices or something like that to create more of just a slightly more balanced snack or meal just right there. Yeah, I was looking at your Instagram and I saw you have this great graphic up about you know, on, on one side foods that'll make you hungry basically in like five minutes again, and then what you can do to level up those snacks and make it so that you're staving off hunger for a while. So I definitely encourage people to check out Just Means Instagram because there's tons of great content like that. Since we have such a wealth of health and nutrition expertise here, Vanessa and Jess, I'd love to know what you're snacking on, what you have in your pantry that's ready to go when, you, when you're in between Zoom calls or in between meetings and just need a little burst of energy. I mean, yeah. Um... To Jasmine's point, you know, it's always going to be something that's like protein rich. It's never going to be just a carbohydrate because I want to be energized. And I also want to not overeat at later meals. And it's also like about the timing, right? So if you have lunch at 12 and you don't eat dinner until 730, that's a really long period of time. So I'd probably do my favorite go-to is like at four o'clock, I'll have a plain yogurt and I'll add Nutella to it. So it's like a pudding but it has high protein, like about 19 grams. And then I have um, also like a little bit of fat and also protein from the Nutella. And it's, you know, sweet, which I love. And I feel like I'm having some, something really decadent, but it's not. But if that's not your thing too, you know, you could do like a crudite, right? Like I'll, I'll have like slices of cheese and I'll have some vegetables or, you know, maybe I'll have some nuts and some fruit. It just depends on what the mood is. But Oftentimes before dinner meal, I'll have something really high in protein, like a yogurt, or I'll make my own protein shake, something of that nature. And I noticed that you were showcasing those wonderful brand pistachios, which I didn't realize have so many benefits. Could you briefly, before we get to Jess's snacks, I was wondering if you could briefly touch on some of the benefits of pistachios, because it sounds awesome. Yeah. I mean, look, pistachios are like a lot of plants have protein and some of them have complete protein. So pistachios provide all nine essential amino acids. Right. And then they have so they have like six grams of protein per serving. Um, they're relatively high in fiber. And so and you can eat a lot of them. There's something psychological when you take like a, a quarter cup or half a cup of pistachios and you have to like deshell them and you watch the shells pile up. It feels like you're eating more. And then you also pair that with a fruit. It's a nice combo. But like it's always about the visual, right? Because you eat with your eyes first. So if you look over and you're like, oh, look at all these shells, like you didn't really eat that much, right? But you had a lot of nutrient density. So it's like my favorite thing. And also those wonderful pistachios come in like awesome flavors. So they have um, like a sea salt and vinegar, which tastes exactly like a salt and vinegar potato chips, but has all the benefits and not really any of the crap. So 
it's a win. I just added it to my next grocery list. Amazing. <laughs> Jessica, what are you snacking on? I couldn't agree more with Vanessa and Jasmine, but um, some things that I've been loving is these no-bake energy balls where I make at home. And it's basically almonds, chopped dates, and chia seeds with some collagen and matcha and coconut sugar. And I mix it all up and I put it in the freezer for a little bit, like 20 minutes, and I just save them to have snacks throughout like the week. And it's amazing, keeps my energy levels high. And something else that I've been really loving is like a smoothie or a juice or some nuts and seeds to have like in my car whenever I'm like going through that rush to just pick me back up. And also fermented veggies are like super amazing um, for not only your gut health, but overall health. I just cut some up like celery, carrots, cucumber, and cauliflower and add some water, salt, and let them sit in, the, in a tight jar for like 48 hours. And I'll just snack with them throughout the day. These are all amazing and much better than the Kind and Cliff bars I've just been lazily reaching for. So I'm glad to have healthier options now. And now moving, transitioning from lunch to addressing, you know, going for a night out, going for dinner, going for dessert, maybe having a drink. You know, as, uh, as we're transitioning out of the pandemic, people are starting to go out again. And, you know, I, I went out for the first time, dining out for the first time since the pandemic recently. And, you know, it's, it's funny how the tolerance has changed now. Having one or two drinks now is very different from pre-pandemic. And I think a lot of my friends and I are going through something similar where it's like that next day comes around and you weren't expecting it to hit you the way it did. So for those of us kind of just going back into normal social life, do you have any advice, anybody on the panel, do you have any advice for how to bounce back after, you know, a night of desserts, a night of a drink or two? I can start off. So, I mean, the first thing I would say is hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Um, is going to be a huge one um, just to make sure, you know, you're getting all of that extra, even adding in a little bit of like sea salt into your water the next day can help um, hydrate you a little bit more or choosing more hydrating foods other than water. If you have a hard time just drinking water, um, strawberries, grapefruit, oranges, cucumber, celery, all of these are, are higher in the liquid. And I would just try to stay away from those super sugary drinks. You know, I would choose more of a spritzer or if I'm, you know, choosing, if someone's choosing alcohol, maybe getting a clear liquor or, you know, asking to not have the simple syrup or um, a lot of like agave syrup added in. Try to add more citrus flavors into there um, might help. I'm curious to see what Vanessa and uh, Jessica want to add on to this? I Normally, when people ask me about alcohol, I, I actually explain the biochemistry of it, right? So like, to Jasmine's point, like you want to have more like liquors, right? Versus mixed drinks, because your body has to metabolize everything, right? So if there's more sugar, it's going to be more work. And then it has to basically turn the alcohol back into ethanol and then into, into acetaldehyde, which is like a byproduct that the body can recognize and move away from the bloodstream. And so you wake up hungover because you're really like hypoglycemic because you weren't really able to metabolize the food that you ate properly. So some strategies that I give people is like, before you start drinking, you need to eat a meal. So like eat your meal and then have your drinks. And in between, 
your drinks, you should have water or seltzer in between. It's going to stop you from drinking too much and it's going to keep you like young and fresh faced and on your game for the next day. Right. Like, but I also think that I feel like people are so sick of like drinking in the house and like drinking their feelings. Most people are asking me to just like go for class, like let's go to outdoor soul cycle. <laughs> you know, it's like lost its novelty. Um, and we're just like happy to be outside and like seeing the sun, at least in New York anyway. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people just saying like, I'm, I'm not drinking right now. I'm just trying to like eat, well and like move my body and see the sunlight yeah real quick before jess chimes in there's also been some really cool non-alcoholic alternatives coming up like i just saw gia which is a cool company that's come out i think in the past year or so and they're making really delicious really really trending branding too but really delicious non-alcoholic cocktails so that that's something that I've seen become a lot more prevalent, at least at least out here. Jess, do you have any recommendations for for people people like myself and my friends who maybe are finding us ourselves dining out for the first time in a while and having one or two more margaritas than we're used to? <laughs> Honestly, I want to go back to what Vanessa was talking about about intuitive eating. I think that it's so important to not have food guilt, and I think balance is key in everything that you do. So enjoy that one cocktail, enjoy that chocolate chip cookie, and just don't overdo it. I'm like all about the 80-20 rule. So it's like 80% of what you want, plant-based diets, and 20% like enjoying life, right? I feel like the all or nothing approach isn't really sustainable for most people. And there's a tendency to fall off the wagon when you're over restrictive. Mm, yeah, yeah, I like that more of a lifestyle change than uh, than a diet as we as we had talked about a while back on on our episode of how do you do podcast. And before we invite listener questions, which I want to do in just a moment. So be sure to raise your hand if you do have a question. I want to ask you all when you're in a grocery store going through the aisle, and you see a snack that intrigues you or, or food that intrigues you, and then you, you turn to check out the label, what are the things you're looking for? Is it a calorie count? Is it ingredients? I would love to know what your eyes immediately go to when you're in the grocery store looking at a new food? So when I go to the grocery store and I'm looking at foods, you know, I always say, you know, make sure to turn over that that package because we can get so enthralled with like the front, the health halo words, the colors, all of the marketing that goes into these products that kind of we forget to turn it over. But when I'm turning it over and looking at the Nutrition Facts label, I'm making sure that there are no trans fats in that food. I'm looking at the ingredient list to avoid any nitrites, artificial um, flavorings or colorings, especially um, red dyes um, or any really of the dyes. And trying to make that ingredient list as small as possible if there are ingredients that I don't recognize um, that may be a sign or that is typically a sign that that food is is highly processed. So, um, you know, when we see some foods that are uh, pre-chopped, like if you go to Trader Joe's or any of your local grocery stores, you might see, you know, chopped up butternut squash or chopped up asparagus that's already pre-done. That's very minimally processed. So, you know, obviously those are pretty much you can grab those, but um, when it comes to those really, really highly processed foods, um, those are kind of the things that I make sure to avoid any hydrogenated oils, trans fats, 
dyes, nitrites, and artificial colorings are kind of my, my big go-tos to avoid. I agree with Jasmine. So one simple tip that I believe in is just read the back of the ingredients. And if you don't know what it means or what it is, it's probably shouldn't be in your body. It's probably not good for you. And refrain from eating those foods that are high in high fructose corn syrup. And something I also look for is if it says gums, or I think that's uh, really important to not eat those types of foods. They're high in GMOs and just eat foods that are whole and real and not processed, I think is the best, most simple tip that is easy to follow. I don't know. It depends on who's asking me about the food, right? Like if you are food insecure and you live in a food desert and there's just a bodega around and all they have is orange soda and Snickers and Yoplait yogurts, Yoplait yogurts have high fructose corn syrup, but I'd rather you have the Yoplait yogurt than the Snickers bar, right? So, or the orange soda. So it depends, right? Because I don't want to, because otherwise, what are you going to have? Because you don't have access to food the same way that I do. Um, if you have access to food the same way that I do, then yeah, I, mostly I'm just concerned about the carbohydrates and the sugar. I want, if it's a packaged good, I want it to be 10 grams of sugar or less. I can live with eight grams is ideal. Then like generally, obviously I want you to, you know, shop around outside the perimeter and get like more fresh foods. But I, I, uh, I caution against all of these, um, it's like, it's, it's hard to just like blanket the statement and say, look for this because not everybody can do that. And then it sort of makes it as though like health and wellness is not for them. And then maybe they don't, they don't try to try new things or, or whatever, or eat like in a more healthful way because they don't, they don't think it's too complicated for them. They can't figure it out. They don't know the language. They don't know how to read a food label properly. And so those are the things that I am very mindful of when talking to people. Mm, this this gives me an idea for one last question before we bring up Maddie to ask her question, which is, Vanessa, if you're on a road trip and you stop at a gas station, what what are you just grabbing anything or are you is there anything you're mindful of? Because I, I totally hear what you're saying of, you know, sometimes we're not all we're not all going to have access to a place that has amazingly healthy food. For example, like if you're on a trip or if you're in a food desert, you, you might just have to reach for whatever is available around you. And so, for example, if you're on a road trip, what are you looking for when you're in the gas station or the AMPM? Yeah, like the gas station, they always have like a banana or an orange or an apple, right? Um, maybe they'll have some beef jerky. Sometimes it's really high in sodium. Sometimes it's a low sodium kind. You got to see. I've been driving and been at a gas station that has like you know, hummus and pretzels and, you know, they have cheese string and they have hard boiled eggs. So it runs the, the gamut. Um, you know, maybe there's popcorn there. You could have that trying to get water. There's always going to be water. Um, you know, so you could, you, you could probably get a sandwich at a gas station, right? Um, you know, you're probably not gonna get a beautiful salad, but a salad, a sandwich and a piece of fruit, that's pretty good. So, you know, it doesn't have to be like chips and, and Twix bars. <laughs> duly noted <laughs> duly noted although that's those are those are also fine and i have put them in the bag a hundred percent it's not a problem i'm just saying it's, we can we're trying to make good choices there are options right right definitely all right well at this point i'd love to bring up some listener questions and just a reminder that this is being recorded it's going to go on the how do you do podcast feed later so if you do come up to the stage this will your question will be part of the greater recording 
So at this point, Maddie, I'd love to welcome you onto the stage and have you ask your question. Thank you, Ben. This is an incredible panel. Um, I honestly get get you know a little trepidatious about um, about asking about nutrition and stuff because I've I've had a history of really bad digestive issues, excessive bloating. Um, I've been tested for every type of insensitivity or allergy to food and. I'm perfect. All the all the results have come back negative, which is which is really great, of course. But um, you know, I want to know what's what's wrong with me so that I can try to fix it. So I guess my question is, what have you guys seen work the best in terms of decreased bloating? You know, I've tried inulin. I take pre and probiotics. I take digestive en- enzymes before every meal. I also have like a detox pill that I take right before bed, Um, anything for gut strengthening. And I know that, you know, there's certain foods that you're not supposed to eat and that can be fairly bloating. Um, But for me, it's like even when I eat a salad and I know that like kale is hard to digest. So like even when I eat a salad, I'll get so, so bloated to the point where I need to like lay down after lunch. And it's really frustrating because I feel like I'm eating healthy, you know, I'm eating a salad, um, but it just gets a little frustrating. And sometimes I, I just kind of give up and I'm like, whatever, if I'm going to be bloated, I might as well just like eat fun foods, you know what I mean? So I'd love to hear what, what you guys have seen in terms of helping with uh, bloating and discomfort there. And have you done low FODMAP? No. What is that? Yeah, that, I mean, this is, I'm shocked that I mean or but not shocked because this is how physicians operate so you you should do low low FODMAP it's going to it's just like all the sugars right like so you're gonna it's an elimination diet you definitely need a dietitian to walk you through it it's gonna be like six weeks you're gonna start with low FODMAP foods so foods that we know like won't bloat you and then you're gonna start to challenge and like start to reintroduce foods and see how they affect you so like big offenders already like out the gate, right, are going to be things like onion and garlic and probably apples, right? Those are, you know, raspberries aren't okay, but strawberries are going to be okay. And you're definitely not going to eat kale, but probably spinach is going to be okay. All right. You can have almonds, but not like a certain amount. It's got to, and then you're going to start to see your stomach is going to be bloated. It's going to be flat. And then you're going to start to challenge and you're going to see what affects you adversely. Many dietitians do this. I would start with Tamara Freuman or Kate Scarlotta. You can look them up. They are, this is what they do all day long. Uh, Tamara Freuman definitely takes insurance and you can do telemed. Does She's in New York and I don't know where you are, but she will, she will, she will give you the answer for sure. I feel like I see the light. Oh my gosh. I'm I, looking her up right now. <laughs> yeah, she's great. She has a book. It's called The Bloated Belly Whisperer. She taught me oh. everything. And she's in a really, really big GI private practice. And the doctors text her so that they know what tests to run on their patients. That's how good she is. So she will tell you the answer. But she's going to tell you to do low FODMAP for sure. Got it. Good to know. Thank you. I think we we have the solution for you. We've solved it. We've solved it. (laughs) Amazing. Well, awesome. I'm I'm glad to hear that seems to have answered your question. And so now we'll we'll get to Husna's question. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Husna, how are you? Yeah, hi, it's Husna. How are you guys? Hi. 
So I'm a dietetic student, so I'm always looking at nutrition labels, of course, and I don't consume dairy, so I'm always on the hunt for like a good fortified plant-based milk option. But I know you guys were talking about gums and fillers and, you know, all the preservatives they're putting in plant-based milk. So I'm just wondering what to avoid, what to look for. I consume like the regular like silk or blue diamond almond milk. That's just my favorite. I'm wondering, is that the best choice for me? So there are a lot of different different ones on, on the market for sure. Um, I personally drink the Almond Breeze almond milk, the unsweetened one. But I mean, one of the big things that you just want to steer away from is that carrageenan um, ingredient. Um, so that's what I would kind of stay away from. And I know that there's some other, I know you said milks, but other non-dairy cheese companies, um, Miyoko's. Um, is one that I like and recommend to vegan clients or patients. So those are, that's kind of two of my recommendations. Awesome. Yeah, I've tried Miyoko's. Their products are really great. I also like Follow Your Heart cheeses. I believe they have some carrageenan in there. But I was wondering, isn't carrageenan just like algae? Like, can it really be that bad? Uh, when it's processed, which it, when it is in these um, products, when it's highly processed, it does become an issue. I know um, that CMOS has become very trendy. Um, you know, that is where that carrageenan comes from. Um, but there isn't enough research now to say how much or what is safe and what isn't when it comes to that CMOS on its own. But the issue is when that it is processed in these products. So anytime you do see that carrageenan in a processed product, I would avoid that. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for your question. And to everyone in the audience, if you have a question, now's the time to raise your hand and we'd love to bring you on the stage. Uh, in the meantime, I'll ask a question selfishly. So I've been seeing these Celsius energy drinks everywhere and I've tried a couple of them and they're pretty good, but I'm skeptical of energy drinks in general. I don't really have them. And I'm curious where you all stand on this, this kind of new craze of trendy energy drinks. And are, are they actually healthy? Are they recommended at all in any capacity? Would love to know your thoughts. I'm not down with extra caffeine and chemicals that make me feel like I'm about to have a heart attack. But if that's what you want to have, okay. <laughs> Just, but I have a lot of people that come to me and they'll be like, I take these, I drink these energy drinks. And then I have a, and then they like go through their list of things that they eat. And then at night I drink a bottle of wine and then I wake up in the middle of the night with anxiety and I'm like, mm -hmm. so let's start with removing ourselves from this. So I don't know what the benefit is, but some people it take them in and they don't have any adverse reactions. I don't know if Jasmine and Jessica have a different take on it, but I think it affects everybody differently. So just have to try and see how it works for you. Yeah, I agree that, you know, obviously it, it affects everyone differently and, and you don't want to be having these like highly processed drinks, right? Especially if they are having like artificial sweeteners and flavorings and chemicals and things like that. I always opt for if I'm looking for a source of caffeine, it might be green tea or matcha or coffee, having these more natural sources of caffeine. Um, I believe the recommendation currently is, um, you know, the safe amount for adult healthy adults is no more than 400 milligrams of um, caffeine per day. 
So depending on how much, you know, caffeine is in Celsius, I'm not quite sure. But, you know, these other types of energy drinks that are higher, that's kind of when we get into this overconsumption of caffeine. And as Vanessa said, it can really affect um, anxiety, it can affect your sleep, which can affect your mood, which can affect your digestion, right? So um, I always choose, um, or I try to choose um, more of these natural sources. Um, and one of my favorites is matcha because of the, the benefits there from those, that green tea. Yeah, I agree with both Vanessa and Jasmine. And one thing that I've been loving is adding medicinal mushrooms to my coffee, like reishi and chaga to help with that caffeine rush and adrenaline rush. And another thing I like to do is have ashwagandha or matcha or turmeric latte for energy. I just think there's like different ways we can get our energy instead of having that filled with sugar energy drink that's going to make us crash and make our blood sugar levels be on a roller coaster. And I think like one of the best energy drinks is literally water. Um, you know, when we are dehydrated, it's really going to affect our energy. So um, I would even just try to drink more water in your day to day and see how it affects your energy as well. I agree too. I think that um, for a lot of people, it's hard because they're like, water doesn't taste good or they just like forget to drink water throughout the day. So a tip I like to do is cut a piece of lemon or a piece of strawberry in my water and keep it on me like throughout the day in a bottle and just sip on it. And I found like with that simple taste, people drink more water and they're hydrated more often. Yeah, ever since I had you on the podcast last year, Jess, I've started putting lemon slices in my water in the morning. And that's that's helped me actually drink a lot more than I was before. So 100% endorse that. And I see we have a couple questions, which is awesome. Ariel, nice to see you. And what is your question? Hello, uh, thank you for having me on stage. Um, I'm a uh, certified occupational therapist and I work with uh, pediatric patients, uh, mostly uh, children with autism. And I wanted to know, uh, I have many parents that come up to me asking uh, that they put their kids on a gluten-free diet. So that also restricts them from playing with like items like Play-Doh. So I wanted to know, uh, because I've looked up, I haven't found any like research to back that information up. So uh, your opinion on that, please. All those, all those studies are anecdotal. Um, listen, all new, I can skew any nutrition study to say whatever it is that I want on any given day. But that gluten-free for autistic children is not tried and true and proven. So if it works for their child and it works for their family, then they should feel free to do it. It's not harming their child per se. And I would also say that I wouldn't, ingesting gluten is far different than just playing with like items like a, like a Play-Doh that have gluten in it. It wouldn't like penetrate the skin in some like, you know, way that they think. So I think like if they want to be concerned with their child ingesting gluten, that's one thing, but I don't think it should um, restrict them from their um, their play and their services, right? So you could just like tell them that you can tell them that it's all anecdotal, you know, do what they will, but their kid playing with Play-Doh isn't going to like make or break it. And I just wanted to add on um, a little bit different, Vanessa, I, I agree with Vanessa, but um, 
you know, gluten-free also often has like a health halo around it. So anytime you see the words gluten-free, you think that that's going to be like a healthy product. Um, but it's important to note that, you know, a gluten-free Oreo may just as well be as bad as a regular Oreo. And, you know, gluten-free products can be also very highly processed and have other unhealthy ingredients like those red dyes that may be an issue as well. So I just wanted to add that in. Awesome. Thank you for the question, Ariel. I appreciate it. And uh, I hope that answered your question. Yes, yes, it did. Thank you. And I also uh, heard that um, vice versa, when you get off the gluten and they want to come back to being gluten, that it's also harmful and difficult as well. Well, it's just like with anything, if you don't eat something for a long time, you know, you might experience discomfort when you reintroduce it back into your body. So it is something to be mindful of for sure. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Ariel. And uh, Pascale, I hope I'm saying your name correctly also. Pascale, welcome. It's Pascal, but Pascal. it was close. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Um, I just wanted to ask, what's the best thing to consume after a workout? And does that change? Uh, does that change depending on the workout? So like if you do a Pilates workout, should you consume, you know, a smoothie or have a juice or something? And does that change for like a post run workout? So just wanted to kind of throw that out there and see what's the best thing to have after one of these workouts thanks so i would say that you know what really is important is what your nutrition looks like over the whole course of the day after your workout i typically just aim again to get that balanced meal to have that protein um, to maybe have a little bit of complex carbohydrates even some healthy fats really focusing on getting like a really good nourishing um, meal focusing on these whole foods. Um, but it really depends on what your, your whole day looks like, especially, I mean, it depends on your exercise as well. You know, a recommendation for a, you know, long distance runner is going to maybe be different than a bodybuilder versus someone that's doing Pilates. So it really depends on what your exercise is, but I do want to emphasize the importance of not only what you're eating, but your sleep and recovery, because that's where you're going to, um, in general, recover. But that's also where you're going to be, you know, building lean muscle tissue. It's where you're going to be re-regulating your hormones, um, and when you're in that, you know, anabolic building state. So um, I think that it really depends on on what exercise that you're doing, um, and just making sure that you're getting well balanced nutrition throughout the entire day. I want to say that I agree with Jasmine, but I also want to say hi to Pascal because she's my cousin. So thanks for being on and listening. Of course, I totally appreciate you guys having this panel. And, um, you know, I never know which is best, you know, after any of my workouts. So I'm glad you guys were able to uh, help me with that, um, with that question. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Thank you for joining us. And Jasmine, your point about sleep is is really resonant with me. And I'm curious, you know,
Yeah. Um, you know, I have a nine-year-old daughter. It's very funny. She will like get into her bed and she'll be actively speaking to you. And then she will fall asleep in the middle of a sentence. And I feel very jealous of her. Um, but I, um, you're right. It's, it's a whole process and I've like already started. So I took my magnesium and, um, I'll, I'll take like some CBD. I'll stop with the phone and all of the other things, like probably, you know, an hour before I go to bed. So right, right, right when I get off right now, I'll like, I'll put the phone down. I'll probably like read, do some journaling. And then I will, you know, do some meditation before bed and I'll go to sleep. Um, it was interesting before when you had, were talking about melatonin, you know, there's some studies coming out now that say melatonin actually can disrupt one circadian rhythm because people start to dose it much higher. So magnesium is like this safer alternative um, along with like CBD oil. So it's, it's just interesting to hear what other people do um, to get that, that restful sleep. Yeah, I agree with Vanessa. And something I think is so important is turning off all technology. And I like to wear my blue light blocking glasses at night and right before I sleep and just read a little bit and turn on my diffuser with lavender essential oil to get in that relaxed state of mind. And turning on my salt lamp and just easing into the night is, I found it super, super helpful to get a restful night of sleep. And like I said earlier, and Vanessa does too, taking that magnesium supplement has been super helpful. And for me, um, I do some of the similar things that Vanessa and Jessica just mentioned. Um, you know, it's so important to remember that, you know, everyone's nighttime routine is going to be different. A, a while back, I was suffering from insomnia and I did try taking melatonin. It didn't work for me. Um, and then I switched to magnesium. I really like taking Epsom salt baths. Um, it's just really relaxing for me. Um, and I actually also like after dinner, I like to have something small to eat before I go to sleep. So sometimes that will be like a magnesium rich food. I typically really like adding a little bit of avocado or I'll do like almonds with um, Greek yogurt and some berries for some antioxidants, like recovery type of thing. Um, but yeah, again, like blue light blocking glasses. I'll try to turn off my phone, Epsom salt baths, and kind of just get into the the mental zone of like also thinking about what my next day is going to look like. Um, I think that helps with just like my own stress management um, and feeling good the next day. And when I'm going to bed, really feeling like I have a grasp or like mentally visualizing what I want my next day to look like. So that kind of helps get me ready for the next day. That's given me so much peace of mind as well as just writing a general to-do list of my goals for the next day. And then mentally, I, I go to sleep knowing I gave today my best shot and I, I'm setting myself up for success tomorrow. And also just my two cents. I've, the biggest change I've made in the past few months is getting an old school alarm clock and putting my phone in a different room to charge. And that's, that's helped quiet the mind too. So I'm not seeing a text or, or a post before bed. I can separate from my phone and I have the alarm clock to tell me the time. And then in the morning too, when I wake up, I'm not bombarded with emails or texts. I give myself those few minutes to just adjust and, and then I can get on with my day. And I see we have a question from Queen Yogi. Queen Yogi, how are you? Hi, I'm fine. Thanks for having me, Ben. 
Um, my question was around just sleep. You know, what was some tips? So you already started to address my question. So I'm really interested in the blue light walking glasses. I've never heard of them. So what are they about? What are they for? Awesome. I mean, I, I'm wearing them now and uh, I want to make sure the panel jumps in. But as a layman, I can tell you they help with not getting as much disruption from screens like your computer screen or your TV. It's less disruptive, at least for, for me. I find myself, uh, my eyes are not as heavy, not as weak, not getting headaches as frequently from being in front of the screen as much. So I, I, I definitely recommend it. I, I have prescription uh, blue light glasses because I, I typically wear contact lenses and I found that being in front of the computer for hours on end wearing contacts, my eyes are much weaker than if I am wearing blue light glasses. So for any bespectacled folk like me, I highly encourage getting prescription blue light glasses. And if you have the good fortune of 2020 vision, highly recommend just getting a pair of generic blue light glasses, which I think if you go on Amazon, you can you can search them and find them. But I'm sure our panel might have better recommendations than that. So I turn it over to them. Yeah, I can, I can jump here. Um, so, you know, blue light is emitted from, again, like your technological devices, your phones, um, your computer screen, your iPad, your TV, and blue light can actually suppress um, melatonin secretion and increase um, cortisol. Um, so I think it, I think one study showed that like approximately every hour you're on your phone at night, it suppresses your melatonin by like 30 minutes. So it can interfere with your circadian rhythm and your, and your sleep cycle. So um, that is one of the reasons why I choose to wear blue light blocking glasses um, to help better regulate my, my sleep cycle and prevent the suppression of melatonin and increase in cortisol. Yeah, and I agree off both Ben and Jasmine's points. Um, it, I've personally been using it for almost a year now, right before bedtime, and it's really helped to reduce my eye strain, and I feel like it's balanced my circadian rhythm, and especially because, like, um, I was in school and continuously, like, on technology late at night. So just having that experience um, pre-blue light glasses versus, like, using it for so long and just seeing the difference in not only my sleep, getting better sleep throughout the day, but my eyes not being so strained, I think has been super, super helpful. And um, I actually love one company called Pixel. So you guys should check them out. I think that I've used like a quite a bit of different companies, but I love their quality and um, you guys should definitely check them out. I haven't used any blue light glasses, guys, so I can't comment. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Uh, Queen Yogi, I hope that helps. Yes, that helps. Thanks a lot, guys. Also, are you wearing them before bed? You're sleeping in them, or how does that work? Definitely not sleeping in them, at least for me. <laughs> um, I don't know about you, Jasmine. <laughs> no, for me, not sleeping. Just any time that I'm like looking at screens, so... Um, when I'm working throughout the day on my laptop or I'm using my phone, um, I like to have them on um, whenever I can, when I, when I know I'm going to be looking at a screen for a long period of time. Okay, great. So, yeah, I'm on my computer usually about 10 or 11 hours a day, so I'm thinking I need to go to the doctor and get a prescription for them. Thanks a lot, everyone. 
Of course. Thank you for the question. And I think we'll, we'll have our final question coming from Shanelli. Shanelli, thank you for joining us. And what's your question? Thank you for having me. Um, my question is regarding hypothyroidism or uh, low-functioning thyroid. Is there any nutritional guidelines or recommendations you guys have? Any foods to avoid? What's your opinion on caffeine intake? So a lot of times with autoimmune disease, we want to tell people to do like low anti-inflammatory diet. So you want to maybe like omit gluten. Maybe you'll have benefit from omitting dairy. Those are just like easy, low-hanging fruits. And then from there, we would just have to like track your symptoms and see like what helps you do better or not. But the gluten and the dairy are, are big ones with thyroid issues for sure. Yeah, and I also think it's important to get your blood levels done and see what nutrients you might be missing. And with hypothyroidism, I think it's important to add iodine, um, which is like an essential mineral that's needed to make thyroid hormones. And some foods that are rich in that are seaweed, fish, dairy, and eggs. Awesome. Thank you for those recommendations. Shanelli, I hope that helps. Yes, thank you so much. Of course. And before we sign off, I want to ask a selfish question, lastly, which is, where do you all find your recipes? Because you all do such a great job of posting delicious, healthy meals. And I know we'll follow you so we can be apprised of them. But I would love to know what your sources of inspiration are, because there are so many different places out there to find them. So I'm curious where you all are discovering your recipes. You know, when you sit and watch a show and you're scrolling on Instagram and looking at memes, I'm scrolling on Instagram and looking at food. And then, and then from there, I start to make my own recipes. That's where I get my inspiration. I'm also, um, I get the New York Times, like what to cook this week, every Sunday. And then, so I'll scroll through that. I go on like BuzzFeed Tasty. I'm on Skinny Taste. I just like, look, I just save food all day long and then i'll come back and try to like recreate or make changes as i see fit it's actually like very fun and therapeutic yeah for me um i i love to scroll through pinterest and get ideas there and inspiration um, a lot of times there's a really nice story behind the recipe so i get some inspiration there. I was lucky enough to have grown up with my with my grandmother alongside of my parents and my family. Um, and I'm half Egyptian and half Armenian. So trying to master some of these um, Armenian and Middle Eastern dishes has been really fun and, and trying to figure out um, some faster ways. I had mentioned it earlier. Um, a traditional dish is called majadra. And I figured out a way to make a really quick, like under 10 minute version that was grandmother approved. So that's been really fun for me. That is high praise. Grandmother approved. I am Iranian and it is tough to get your grandmother's approval on any cultural dishes. I just tried making tadik, which is a crispy rice dish. And uh, I think I'm getting there. I don't know if I'm there yet, but I'm, I'm on the way. Uh, and uh, Jess, would love, to know, would love to know your perspective on this as well. <laughs> I love that so much. I also come from an Iranian background. So it's funny to see how all the cultures, um, you can make like a healthy, delicious recipe from your typical norm. But I think that my mom has also been my biggest inspiration with eating healthy overall. And 
um, one of my looks, <laughs> I was talking to someone the other day and they're like, where do you get your recipes from? And I, I was like, honestly, I just want to make healthy food sexy. And I think like just adding in like greens and veggies and making it colorful and eating the rainbow makes it more delicious and more fun to eat. Wait, Jasmine, my best friend is Arabic and she makes Majidina for me all the time. And the crying that I have to do to get it, she's like, <laughs> oh, you, then all you right, caramelize the onions. You need to send this to me because I'm Haitian and my, my mother has never given me an approval on a single thing I've ever made. So the fact that your grandmother said it was good, I'm here for this 10 minute thing. I mean, I mean, it could be the fact that she's 94 now. (laughs) (laughs) She like, bless her, bless her. She's like, all right, let's just, if I don't have to cook it, then (laughs) it's approved. Send me that recipe. Yeah. I posted on my story uh, today, but I'll send it to you. It's basically like Trader Joe's using the steamed lentils and then um, using the microwavable brown rice. So all you have to really do is saute the onions and make sure that's perfect. Add the seasonings and spices and just throw it all together. But I'll I'll, uh, send it your way. It's my favorite. Thank you. I know I'm personally very hungry now. So this is a good stopping point to wrap things up. Um, so just as a reminder, this is part of how do you do podcast? This conversation is being recorded and we'll throw it up on the podcast feed shortly. I'm Ben Hanani. Make sure to follow me on Clubhouse so you can be apprised of conversations like this as they go live. And uh, I'd love to turn it over to our panelists to plug the amazing work they're doing and where you can keep up with them. Vanessa's to my right. So we'll start with Vanessa and work our way down. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Ben. It was great being on the panel with Jessica and Jasmine. I am Vanessa Rosetto, Dietetic Internship Director at New York University and co-founder of Kalina Health. Um, you can find us at kalinahealth.com and you can find me at Vanessa Rosetto RD. Awesome. Thank you. And I see Jessica to the right of you. So Jess, go ahead and let everyone know where they can keep up with you. Ben, thank you so much for having me. Vanessa and Jasmine, it was so, such a pleasure speaking with you both. You guys can follow me at Healthy Life by Jess on Instagram or, or my website, healthylifebyjess.com for some more blogs and inspiration on nutrition. Amazing. Thank you. And Jasmine. So again, I have to say thank you, Ben, um, for holding this discussion, Vanessa and Jessica. Um, you know, being on the panel, it's been a pleasure. Where you can find me here on Clubhouse um, and would love for you to join my club, Ask the Dietitian. It was the first um, dietitian-led club here on Clubhouse, so I'm really proud of that and invite um, other dietitians or individuals just interested in improving their nutrition to join there and follow me on Instagram. I would say at Jessmine So thanks, Ben. Awesome. Thank you all for joining us. If health is wealth and by extension, knowledge of health is wealth, I feel like a very wealthy person tonight. Thank you all so much. This has been so much fun and so insightful. I hope you found value in today's conversation. If you still haven't left your review for How Do You Do Podcast, I'm going to walk you through the process right now, and it only takes 10 seconds. First, look at your phone screen and click where it says, How Do You Do Podcast, which is in purple. And if you're not seeing this, then you're probably listening to this on a different app. So I want you to click on where it says, listen on Apple Podcasts, and then you'll see the purple link. Click that. Then you'll just scroll past all the previous episodes to where it says ratings and reviews. And all you need to do is tap the star on the far right 
and you've left a five-star rating. I thank you in advance for taking the 10 seconds to do that, and I really, truly appreciate you listening to this episode. Thanks for sharing it with your friends and followers, and I'll see you back here next week.